John the 17th chapter. Now, I, I, I want to finish this. My intention is just to teach it, to lay it and establish it, and then us praise him and go home. Is that all right? Can we do that in 20 minutes? Let, let's do it in Jesus' name, all right? Um, I was looking at this, and, and the Holy Spirit dropped something in my heart concerning the backdrop to glorification that I just want to visit. Lord, help me just visit it uh, so that we can get to the uh, context of today's sermon. The anchor scripture for this series has been Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That, that scripture is just power packed. Things work good. There's a promise that things are going to work together for the good, but it's only for a special class of people. Somebody say amen. This is not a universal principle, and it is not something that is germane to the existence of humanity on the earth. And I'm taking time to teach, and I should just be going, but it, it, it just bears repeating that God has a class of people who love him. Somebody say amen. And who are the called. Right? And so if you're interfacing with people... Now, now, oh, God, we're, we're stuck on for God so loved the world, but we have to establish who loves God back. Okay? Yeah, he loves you, but do you love him? And if you love him and you are the called, then it puts you in a category that God is going to make sure that everything in creation constantly aligns towards your perfection. It will always, somebody say always. I want you to get that in your spirit. If you love God and are the called, you can experience the lowest blow and a devastation to your entire existence. But even in that, in the DNA of that trial and dilemma is a prophecy that it has to turn around. Right. So this is why we don't grieve as those who have no hope. This is why we don't mourn when we go through dilemmas and experiences, because inside of that dilemma is a promise of a greater day. Somebody say amen. All right. And then it says this, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Hear that. Right. So these same, this special category of people have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many. What? In other words, Jesus Christ created a race of people that are just like him. Right? He's the firstborn of many brethren uh, of a race of human divines, a different species, a different creation, a different kind of creature. All right. Now you got to understand. Now watch this, beloved. And I'm taking way too much time for this, but you got to watch. You got to understand that everybody that goes to church is not in this category. So you can't allow uncategorized people to give definition to you because they're speaking out of a realm in a dimension that has nothing to do with this level of God's dealing. Come on. There are some people that all things are not working together for their good because they don't fit the criteria. And the problem is, is that we have people that are in the category listening to people that are uncategorized. They infiltrate the church to destabilize it because just like Satan, they want you to have their fate. Yes. See, it wasn't enough for him to be destroyed in Ezekiel 28. It wasn't enough for him to be abod, which literally means killed. He had to get a third of the host to be killed with him. Yes. So the uncategorized are always looking to bring you into their alliance. Somebody say amen. amen. But he predestined them to... Uh, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Somebody say, I'm called. These uh, whom he called, he also justified. Say, I'm justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. Somebody say, I'm glorified. Now, the old church would say, God don't share his glory with no man. But Jesus prayed that the glory would be on us. Let's shift the paradigm. Because if we're justified, called, and glorified, then we can't say he won't share his glory. His intention is to share the glory. I'm going to be in the scripture. Somebody say amen. amen. When I leave the Bible, leave there we go. John 17, I'm going to go through this real fast. Where am I at? Four minutes? I'm doing good. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify, shall glorify. 
your son, that your son may glorify you. So this is a level of conversation between the father and the son where they're both trying to out-glorify each other. All right? So that you can understand the context of the Godhead's interaction with, the, with, with himself and with each other. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life. Are you ready for the definition? That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That's eternal life. That's the consummation of your faith. That is the destination of your salvation. It is not just a mansion in the sky. It's the knowledge of Christ. Y'all going to get it in one minute. The objective of your salvation, hear this, beloved, is that you come into an experiential knowledge of who God really is as opposed from who men say that he is. See, we, we reject instances to attain knowledge of God thinking that we just are working for a mansion in the sky where moth and rust cannot corrupt it. But it's the knowledge of God, Dewberry, that is the objective. Somebody say the knowledge of God. That's our eternal life. And he says, I have glorified you on the earth. This is Jesus at the end of his apostleship commission talking. He's given his own assessment and report of what he did in the earth. He said, I've glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Well done, good and faithful. You can't hear that if you don't complete it. You can't complete it if you are oblivious to it. You cannot act like a piece of cattle going with the herd aimlessly being led by somebody with a stick. What is your purpose? Why are you here? What is your assignment? When you cross over into eternity, what is heaven's system of measurement concerning you going to be? It's not just going to be rejoicing because, God, I'm saved and I made it. He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Come on, I'm preparing you for eternity. He's going to ask you to give an account for the assignment. Well, Lord, I would have served you, but my pastor didn't believe in prophets. Well, then find another pastor. Because if my eternity is at stake... And the scripture says we've got to work on our own soul salvation with fear and trial. I don't got time to worry about what you think. Let me keep going. This is where I get. Huh? What did you do with what he called you to do? And how did you execute it? How did you do it? Did you do it in alignment or did you do it as a rebel? Did you tear down something else God did so that you could build what you felt like you were supposed to build? I don't know. Happy Mother's Day. I don't preach thematically for holidays. FYI, if you're new to the church, I preach the word. I preach what I hear. He says, I've glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work which you have given me to do. It's another qualifier. The assignment doesn't come from you in between your ears. It comes from heaven. That means you got to stay there till you know that you got one. All right, keep going. And now, Father... Glorify me together with yourself. So at the end of the journey, he's saying, I want to be re-glorified with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Okay? God, I got to skip through this. Verse 20. I didn't want to skip there, but I got to go to 20. He said, and I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he's not only praying for the apostles, because that's where he goes from 6 to 19. He says, but I'm also praying for the people in Ecclesia Global on Mother's Day 2021. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Father, there are people who are going to believe in me through the message that these apostles are preaching. Well, let me jump back up to 6 real quick to give you the full context. He says, I've manifested your name to the men you have given me out of the world, they were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Load it. Keep going for a little. Now they have known all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words that you have given me. 
and they have received them and have known surely that I have come forth from you and they have believed that you have apostello me. It's a word there in the Greek. They believe you have apostled me. They believe you have deputized me as your ambassador. They've taken the word. Somebody say amen. He says, so I pray for them and I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. Listen to the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. God loved the world that he gave his son, but Jesus said, I'm not praying for the cosmos. I'm not praying, pay, praying for the system or the structure of the world. In this intercession, I'm only praying for those that belong to me. I know y'all don't like it, but he's a God of distinction. See, God's not running around with the inferiority complex for the people that don't like him. He says, you don't like me, it's fine with me. Come on, y'all got to get that. He wants all, he wills that everybody be saved, but his omniscience has taught him everybody won't be. And so when he has to focus, he's going to look at the people that belong to, now right now. He said, this is good. He said, all are mine and yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. Let me jump down. Now I can go to 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. Somebody say one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. God, I'm not just praying for the apostles. I'm not just praying for the first century church. I'm not just praying for these men that have walked with me for three and a half years in the flesh, but there are generations that one day are going to pick up a book called the Holy Bible. And in that Bible, is go there's going to be the archive of what I've done in the earth. People are going to pick that book up and they're going to believe this message, not because they're connected to the culture or the time or the experience, but because by reading the word, I'm going to be able to pierce their heart. He said, Father, let even those people be one in us. I don't, I, I could run, I can run through here. Let them be one in us. Huh? Seated with Christ in heavenly places takes on another dynamic. When you understand that it's the fulfillment of his prayer that he says, Father, let there be no separation between us and them. Y'all look at it in a minute. It's all right. It's all right. He said, now watch this. Here's the crux. And the glory which you gave me. Huh? He already established that it's the glory he had before the world began. See, there's a level of glory that we experience when his presence comes in. But imagine what the glory was like before death and sin ever corrupted the world. Y'all not ready for glory. Just, just say, give me a goosebump or two and I'll be all right. But the glory before Satan was cast out of heaven and destroyed things in creation. The glory where they could hear him, walking in the cool of the day, where you could hear the light of God. He said, this is what he said. I'm ready. I'm just. Uh. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them just as you have loved me. We cannot deal with the glory of the saints, and I'm almost done, without dealing with your inferiority complex. See, Satan's tyranny against your life has had one objective. It's to keep you from recognizing your identity. Y'all not going to like it. It's not to get in the way of you getting your new house. It's not to get in the way of you getting the car that you want to drive. It's not even to get in the way of your relationship and your marriage and your little hoop dream. But if he can stop you from coming to the full realization of your identity, then he can rob you of the manifestation of glory. Glory. 
See, watch. Jesus' intention was for us to have the same glory that he had with the Father so that the oneness, I feel this anointing on me. God, help me preach it the way I hear it. So Don't do that yet. Wait. So that the glory that he expended. Now watch this. Watch this. Let's, let's look at Jesus' encounter. As the word that's going to be made flesh. As the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ was present when God had the idea to create a creation. Somebody say amen. Before he created an angelic host, before he created firmaments in the heavens and in the earth, before he populated his invisible kingdom with citizens, the Lord Jesus in the beginning was the, and the word was with God and the word. Jesus was sitting right in the middle of the father's being. There was a level of glory that was dispensed and expended when God catabole, that's the word, when he reached down in his being and thrust into existence everything that he wanted to see happen. Jesus, as the word, beheld all of that experience. He saw the Lord create light and speak light and see light begin to go. That's a level of glory. Huh? He saw the Father call into being through his own auspices, call into being all of the creatures, all of the watchers and the principalities and the powers and the thrones and the mights and the dominions. He saw all of this coming out of the inside of the Father and going into places of manifestation around the universe of creation that he didn't know existed until the Father called it into being. Could you imagine the first praise the angels gave when they saw the creator, when they had to look back at him after they were created. Could you imagine what the skyline looked like when the first levels of God's light, O-W-R, he spoke his presence into existence, began to fill creation? Huh? The very air molecules got filled with the glory of God. He says, Father, there is a level of glory that I experienced in you. Before you created terra firma, before you created mankind, before the cosmology of the world came into being, I saw you when you hung the first star in space. He said, Father, that glory is the glory that I'm giving to them. Huh? We're dealing with the glory of the saints. We're dealing with the sonship of God, we're dealing with the sons of God, and beloved, I have to present to you that it's something that is going to transcend anything that you have had the ability to conceptualize up until this point. Come on, because we're too confined to this world to recognize how we are supposed to manifest the glory of God in the earth. Come on, y'all, please help me, help me, Holy Spirit, help me get it out till I hear it. Satan's agenda is to keep you from glory. He can't do nothing about your salvation. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. He knows that. He knows that as many as call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He knows that. He knows that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, even if you don't dot every uh, I and cross every T after that, he knows you're saved and he can't do nothing with that. But if he can stop the process of your glorification, huh? If he can get you to believe a lie about you in the face of God's truth. If he can get you to settle for an existence as a mere mortal and not as a human divine that has become a part of the species of which Jesus Christ is the firstborn among many brethren. Huh? If he put us in his kind, we're in the God class. He made us in his likeness and image. I got one yes. He made us in his likeness and image. Somebody say, I'm in the God class. He put his breath in you. He put his ability in you. And if you don't believe that as a creation, right, he baptized you in the Holy Ghost. So that if you believe on him in his name, you can cast out demons. Y'all not saying nothing to me. Jesus ain't never showed up in a service to cast the devil out. He anointed you to command them to come out. They'll lay hands on the sick and the sick will what? 
that's not a question mark the sick will recover why because he's created a race of people that are just like him you have his DNA you have his power you have his attributes you have his ability don't allow the devil to sell you a bill of goods that makes you settle for less than who you are get to this Oh, open your mouth right there. We just got to praise him. Come on, open your mouth. I'm almost done. Just open your mouth and praise him. Because as you praise him, the shackles are breaking off of your mind. You thought you were just trying to survive. The devil is a liar. You are made in the likeness and image of the most high God. You have his spirit. You have his word. You have his authority. You have his ability. You are a life-giving spirit in the earth. You're not going to hear this on most Sunday morning services. Watch the scripture. Sit down. Romans 8. Our anchor scripture and I'm done. It's so powerful that you have to say, God, give me a mature understanding of this text. Let me, let me not read it or hear it with mental assent. I, I know it. And then we don't really know it. But let me see it through the eyes of truth. Somebody say through the eyes of truth. Scripture says this, whom he foreknew. Watch this, y'all. Huh. Somebody say, I'm foreknew. He said to Jeremiah the prophet, Yirmiahu, the prophet, he said, before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, before your father and mother had an opportunity to get into covenant and to be intimate, before they went to pick out names in cribs, before they planned the gender reveal party, make it modern, he said, I knew you. I yada you. Come on, y'all. Help me, Jesus. please." This is good news for everybody who thinks they were an accident. You didn't just show up. But the sovereign had, y'all better help me preach. He had knowledge of you before you got here. This is a deliverance for everybody that was placed in a jacked up dysfunctional family. It's all right because it has to serve a purpose because before he put me in that family, he, yada, he knew. Watch this. He said, I knew you, I yada you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I, that means he established the boundaries and the parameters of your existence, your calling, your function, your destiny, your purpose. Before he ever put you in the womb of your mother. So that means that his omniscience knew every single thing that our placement in that womb would entail. Can I help you deal with the trauma of your life experience? See, you got you to gotta realize that God put certain people in certain places to bring perfection to the soul. It's all right that you had to cry and go through hell for 12 or 20 years of your life. It's all right that they raped you and molested you and abused you and beat you. It's all right that you were a drug addict and a prostitute and a homosexual and a whore. It's all right that you had experiences because now that you've seen the depth of his power to save and heal and to deliver, you can open your mouth and set the masses free. You are a priest that's been touched with the feeling of the infirmity of the people. I wish somebody would get delivered from the trauma and open your mouth and decide I'm going to be a deliverer. I'm going to be a healer. I'm going to raise the dead. I've got resurrection power. I said get delivered from the trauma. Come on, open your mouth. There's deliverance happening right now. Get delivered from the trauma of your experience, of your rejection, of your abandonment, of your abuse. He whom the sun sets free is free in. Take your seats. You don't have nobody to blame but the devil. Sin didn't exist until he found it in himself before he got cast out of heaven. 
Stop hating on your mama who didn't love you because somebody didn't love her either. Just be healed. I can't get help. I wish you would open your mouth and receive healing right now. Stop hating on your daddy that dropped you and wasn't there because somebody dropped him too. If we trace it all the way back to the beginning, it's the sin principle. It's a disruption in the process. But God is a deliverer and he'll set how great is this salvation? How great is your mercy? How great is your power towards us who believe? Oh, I wish I had a church. Now open your mouth. I'm almost done. Come on, open your mouth and praise him right there. Open your mouth. Your testimony is greater than your idea of a perfect life. You better rejoice that he set you free. We are delivered by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. If you would have had the perfect life that you fantasize about, you'd have no power of deliverance because you'd have no testimony. The reason why you have a testimony is because God has proven to the devil over and over and over and over and over again that he is defeated. You better rejoice for the hell that you've been through because it means you'll never have to go to hell because you've met the Savior. Y'all not going to help me preach. You've met the healer. You've met the deliverer. The cross of Christ has worked wonders in your life. Scripture says, watch this, whom he foreknew, he knew us. Oh, God. Oh, he knew us. Uh, yeah, yeah. He didn't only know us, but he foreknew us. He foreknew us, Tyra. Come on, that you you can't have my CK. It doesn't matter that you rejected me. God knows me. It doesn't matter that you didn't invite me to the little boy and the little girl and the little girls' club. The sovereign knows my name. I don't have to have a hundred thousand likes on social media. I'm known in heaven. Y'all gonna get free in a minute. I don't have to have a whole bunch of followers when my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, come on. I wish I had some shown enough saved people that can praise him for a great salvation, that can praise him for a mighty washing in the blood. I wish I had some shown enough delivered people that could praise him for redemption. I'm set free by the power of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Wait. So he foreknew us, which means, Elder Warren, that God, no, watch this, that he knows the outcome of every single circumstance. Now, I once had a conversation with a former person that was a part of our church. And leadership and I had to argue with them over this text because they told me that God doesn't know everything and they said God knows the possible alternative variations of what could be in every situation but he doesn't know what you're gonna choose and he doesn't know how it's actually gonna end up and that God learns it as you choose I said that's an it yeah yeah when I tell you I was going through hell behind the scenes in this church y'all was going through hell get me I said, God's omniscience says that he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. Known by God in eternity are all of his works and his works were finished from the foundation of the world. It is impossible for him to be God and not know because the moment he ceases to know, he ceases to be God. His omniscience tells him every individual that will accept him or reject him watch this watch this watch this close somebody say he knows he knows everybody that's going to answer the call to ministry but not fulfill the assignment he knows he knows everybody that's going to start building and once they put their hand to the plow they're going to look back because it's too tedious he knows somebody say he knows but if he knows all of that and he does then he knows, Prophet Tyra, the people that are going to be so appreciative and gripped by his salvation 
that once they really meet him, I feel something creeping up on me. That they're going to say, for God I live and for God I'll die. And they're going to make up their mind, come hell or high water, come obstacle, trial or tribulation, come test, dilemma, experience, that God, you've got me and you're stuck with me for the rest of my eternal being. And just like he knows that I can't get no help, he'll go ahead and anoint you just like that. I wish I had some really redeemed and called people that recognize that you have an anointing that's not based on a temporary yes to open your mouth and give him glory Jesus said watch this sit down I'm done 30 minutes I gotta go Jesus knows and he said in the 7 John 17 he said God not one of them was lost you've given them to me now watch, watch his language he said they were yours but you gave them to me I, I don't have time to teach this through. I don't, I don't have time. But Paul said, follow me as I follow. There is a dynamic of apostleship. Now, Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, if I'm not an apostle to anybody else, and I, I get this is apologetics for the commission. He said, if I'm not an apostle to anybody else, I am no doubt an apostle to you because you are the seal of my apostleship he said to the church at Corinth he said you're the seal in other words when you look up the word seal it meant that the church at Corinth they built they, they bore an insignia in the spirit that was imprinted on them that said they were connected to the apostle Paul y'all got it Paul as an apostle said I travail in birth pains and in labor pains until now why he said until Christ be formed in talk back you he wasn't just talking about you the universe you the world but he was talking about you the apostle people that were connected to him see that's why some of y'all feel such a level of connection to me that's not idolatry it's spiritual identification but see it also works on in the reverse because if God has assigned you to be connected to a leader then you better make space for that leader to get on your nerves and not have to run out of the church and leave just because you feel some kind of way because you still bear the mark you still have the insignia. You still have the assignment. And when you get into eternity, you might be saved, but God is going to say your position didn't match the mark. What's going on? And you're going to have to give an account for your rebellion. Y'all not going to say nothing to me. He said, God, they were yours, but you gave them to me. There were people that I circled with my mantle of apostleship. Watch this. He said, the word, John 17 that you have given to me, take your seats, I gotta go. The word that you have given to me, I've given to them. And they, in turn, have believed that you sent me because of that word. There we go, somebody say lineage. There has to be an unbroken line of succession, not just of robes, but of word. Y'all not gonna like it. Y'all not gonna like this. You just can't go get shoes like your favorite mentor and your favorite apostle and your favorite prophet and think that that's succession and lineage huh can you carry the word that they've been sent to bring i can't get help i, I get uh, prophet tyra please help me Pr pray real quick because i got to take this rabbit trail but 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 can you carry the word see you you can't carry the word if you don't believe the word and you can't believe the word if you don't trust the bearer of the word. See, see, my warfare has changed in this season now because I'm no longer trying to prove that God sent me to anybody. Either you accept it or you don't. And if you don't accept it, you don't accept what he sent me to do. And it's perfectly fine. I don't have an inferiority complex and I'm not looking for your acceptance, but I'm only looking for those that have been given to me. Because the ones that have been given to me, we can get the assignment done. I don't need 100,000 fans. I just need a good 12 that have really Really been given y'all not gonna help me I just need a few people that say apostle that's the word of the Lord we know that God spoke it we know that he called us into being anything we gotta go through we just gonna go on through it we gonna fix it we gonna cry we gonna mend it we gonna put it back together but at the end of the day we trust that the sovereign has spoken we see the fruit we see the work we see the plan and the strategy of God you don't need a church full like that you need a few Watch this. 
So because of his omniscience, God, I'm at 30. He understood who would accept him, who would reject him, who would be profitable to him. Who would be profitable to the cause, Minister Roxanne. He, who would be profitable to the assignment. He knew it. So watch this. Because he knew it, the Bible says that his, his foreknowledge, his, his omniscience, his for, forbearance made the judgment and the determination. And then he backed all the way back up from eternity into time. And he began to deal with you based on what his foreknowledge already told him about you. Huh? So the alpha went all the way to the omega. And he looked back through the annals of time. And he looked back through the stratas and the layers of creation. And he took note of every experience, every decision, every intention, every mood, every desire, everything that your entire makeup would ever materialize or produce. And he made a judgment. Somebody say a judgment. His foreknowledge allowed him to travel in time to make a determination at the end of all things. And then he came all the way back to the beginning and looked at you and said, I know you. He didn't just know you because he said he knew you, but he knew you because he went all the way to the end and experienced everything that you would ever experience. That's why you can't stay in your depressed state and in your rut too long because he already knows the end from the beginning. He knows that it's just a bump in the road. It's just a nick in the experience and you just got to keep going. Baby, when he tells you to get up and go, just get up and go because there's a destination that you don't see and you don't feel, but he's walked in it. He's talked to it. He's experienced. He says, I know you. And he takes the you that you don't even know. The you whose brain isn't even built yet whose heart hasn't even begun to pump he takes the you whose egg hasn't even been fertilized yet and he places that you in the womb or which well let me go even further back in the spirit of your father y'all not gonna help me preach he takes your spirit the light and the life that you are and places it in the spirit of your father and somehow through the experience it's a mystery that we don't understand but that spirit that is in your father gets channeled down into his loins it gets into y'all gonna help me it gets into his testicles and when he met your mother and they came into the place of intimacy that life-giving spirit began to go down into that sperm and they said that there's a few million sperm that are released at the same time. I don't know how it happened, Bonaparte, but there was only one sperm that had your DNA. There was only one sperm, help me preach it, that had your spirit. There was only one sperm that had your soul and it made it through the canal, flew up and down the chasm, got that egg. And although all the sperm were trying to penetrate the barrier, there was only one sperm that matched up with the egg that the egg began to open and say come on in here let me help you realize that your beginning didn't begin at that beginning but that sperm survived your spirit survived because there's a sovereign God that knew you before you were an egg in your mother's womb who am I preaching to and that egg begin to replicate and go through all kinds of changes now here you are what you gonna do with the assignment on your life what you gonna do with the dna that's written concerning you what you gonna do with the purpose that began in heaven i need a praise to open your mouth and to give god a praise Sit down. Sit, sit, sit. What are you doing, Apostle? 
I'm warring against your inferiority complex. I'm warring against your woe is me mentality. I'm helping you get healed from all of your trauma and your wounds. Watch this. Three categories of people. Sit down real quick. I promise I'm stopping. Three categories. People who start well and finish well. Category number two. People who start well but finish bad. Category number three. People who start bad and finish bad. Huh? Start well, finish well. Start well, finish bad. Start bad, finish bad. Let me add another one. Start bad and finish well. God's omniscience told him before you ever opened your nostril to breathe which one you were. He provided a grace and a mercy for those of us who were pre-programmed because we were conceived in sin and shaped in iniquity to start bad. The grace factor, beloved, is not a license to sin. It's an enabling power that allows you to stick to the script. Grace comes to give you an ability that in your natural makeup, you will never have the ability to do. Grace gives you the enabling power to stay on track with God. Listen, when hell breaks loose against you and you should have killed yourself and a few other people with you and you didn't do it, that's grace. Y'all not going to help me preach it? That's what grace is. Grace says, no, 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 no. You've got the power to keep the gun in the safe, furlough. You got the power to maintain control because there's an assignment that you can't do from federal incarceration. Can I say enabling power? Now watch this. Let me get this out. Y'all stop standing up so I can get it out. Because he foreknew us, watch this. Scripture says, Romans 8, it says, what does it say? It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Listen to that. Listen. This is where they got the ideology or the theology of predestination and preordination all wrong. They taught it like this. Uh, The Calvinists taught it like this. They said, well, because God knew everybody who would be saved, that it meant he chose everybody who would be saved. So that if you never come to the saving knowledge of God, it's because you really were never programmed with the ability to choose because God's foreknowledge of you uh, chose for you. That's how they taught predestination. Completely errant. His omniscience knows what you will choose, but doesn't make the choice. You make the choice. Y'all hear that? Right? Now watch it. So because he foreknew us, the scripture says he predestined us. In the Greek, it's the word prurizo, which means before and establish boundaries. So say he established my boundaries in advance. It means he predetermined the limits and the boundaries of your entire existence. So if he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, it means, Elder Bonaparte, that it is non-negotiable that at some point in our experience that we are going to wind up looking just like Jesus Christ. Right Now, that's how we know that this word about all things working together for the good of those who love the Lord and the call according to his purpose has to work because the predestination means that there is no negotiation at all. At the end, we will be conformed to his likeness and image. So here it is for the believer. You have to stop delaying the progress and the process of becoming like him and just yield to the process. 
Stop wasting good trials on experiences that could shape you that just because your nature is so rebellious, you don't let it happen. Let that heartbreak alter you. Let that rebuke change you. Let that experience alter the way you do life. And don't reinforce what God is knocking down because the objective is that you're going to be just like Jesus at the end. Don't delay the glorification. He said predestined. Then it says that he called. Somebody say he called. So he foreknew, he predestined, and then he called. The word there uh, in the Greek for called means he proclaimed with a loud voice. Now watch it. It means, you know how when Jesus was uh, being baptized by John the Baptist and the voice rang out from the heavens and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, it's the same experience. So this means that because he foreknew you, because he predestined you, that he made a verbal proclamation concerning you that all of the heavens is aware of. That's how the devil knows how to attack you. That's how the angels know how to support you and how to undergird you. Because they were there in the celestial meeting when he proclaimed who you are. Come on, y'all. The identity crisis doesn't start till you get to the earth. Hell knows who you are. And heaven knows who you are. You just got to sit under a good enough teacher to explain to you who you are. Who am I? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I am made in his likeness and image. I'm in the God class. He is my father. I have his DNA. I have his attributes. I have the ability to call a thing that is not as though it was. And when I finish calling it, it's going to become. Why do you think that about you? Because I'm made in the likeness and image of my father. I am a glorified son of God manifesting in the earth. I'm not some poor religious church person trying to get a break. When I walk on the earth, terra firma says, there goes one of them sons of God again. Am I helping y'all? Am I, am I breaking the religious mold that just wants you to come to church and sing and dance and shout and not have power? Am I breaking the religious mold that told you that it's about how long your skirt was? And never taught you how to be a son or daughter of God? So you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power of it. You look holy, but ain't got holy power. You sit holy but don't have holy power? You wrapped up from head to toe. You ought to be able to walk on water. All right, it's, it's one o'clock. I'm getting, that's my, my Sunday time is one. He said he proclaimed with a loud voice. And then it says, watch this. This is going to get some of y'all in trouble. But it says he justified. Huh. We're dealing with the eternal, all-knowing omniscient God that knew what my omega was going to look like so because he knew that ultimately we're going to end up in the right place, uh, space at the right time doing the right thing he comes all the way back to my beginning and justifies us it means he makes right and it is a term in the Greek uh, dikaio or however you pronounce it which means judicial approval some of y'all think it's unusual favor on you. It's not unusual favor. It's just that the judge has already decided in your favor and you're just still a mess. How is it that you get the reach that you have now? Oh, I'm a mess, but I'm a mess in progress. Huh? I'm a mess and I'm working through things, but the judicial approval on me can't be removed because he called me. He announced, y'all, I'm not going to like it. See, 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 see Paul had the power of apostleship when he was still Saul. How is it that he got legal papers to allow him to give him permission to violate the law and commit murder? It was because there was a calling. Because heaven had already declared who he was, and sometimes who you are will start manifesting when you're in darkness before you get to the light. Because it is supposed to pull you into the knowledge of who you really are. God was answering prayers before you got really saved. How did it happen? It's because he predestined you. It's because he called you. 
It's because before you ever knew that you needed to repent, I'm not going to like it, but he justified you. I'm already justified. I've already legally been declared righteous. So you got to tell your sin hang up and your dilemma and your appetite that your days are numbered. Because the end of, yeah, I'm not going, all right, let me. The end of the matter is I'm already declared justified. So at some point, you got to fall off and die. Because you are not a part of the image of Christ, and he already decided that I'm going to be conformed into the likeness and image of his son. Y'all stop playing in the kiddie pool with worldliness and embrace your glorification so that creation can stop travailing. Because the more you stay attached to the things that are not according to your identity, the longer the earth has to travail waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. We're not dealing with a finished work issue. We're dealing with a time issue and how you manage time. How much time are you going to give your trial? How much time are you going to give your immaturity and your identity crisis before you decide to be a son of God in the earth? Last point, play something nice. I, I, I don't preach. Did I preach good enough already? All right, good, because I'm, I'm ready to go. It says, he foreknew, he predestined, he called, made a loud proclamation. Tyra is my beloved daughter in whom I have called to be a prophet to the nation. So that's why when I met you, they said, this is evangelist Tyra Johnson. I said, who? <laughs> oh, this is the evangelist. I said, that lady ain't no evangelist. She not. I said, baby, I'm so sorry. But they put the wrong calling on you. Now, how long had you been an evangelist? Like a few years. And they anointed you and everything, didn't they? They give you a robe. You, you was the evangelist, wasn't you? I don't mean to upset your apple cart or to break your sacred cow or to insult all of your former leadership and the whole agreement that they had when they made you an evangelist, but they didn't hear the proclamation over you. I said, you are God's mouthpiece. I said, you're God's prophet. And I, you had never told me nothing. I didn't know nothing about you. I just knew what I heard because of the proclamation. Y'all see how that works? Foreknew, predestined, called, and because of the call, he justified, which meant he made a judicial decision of your righteousness. And then scripture says, I'm done. He glorified. He glorified us. He answered the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is not the communion discourse in 1 Corinthians 11. The Lord's prayer is in John 17. Or the Lord's prayer is not the Our Father. I'm thinking about communion. That's not the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is John 17. The Lord's prayer is Father glorify them with the same glory that I had with you at the beginning that they may be one in us. To glorify is the word doxezo, which means literally to release glory. It means to glorify. Properly, it means to ascribe weight by recognizing the real substance or value. So when we deal with the glory of God, we're dealing with his splendor, we're dealing with his opulence, we're dealing with his weight, we're dealing with his economy, we're dealing with the substance of who God is. When we say God's glory has entered into the room, we're talking about it's not just the breath of God, but it's God himself. Jesus said to the Father, to those who believe on me through their word, let the same substance that we are comprised of 
become their substance. He said the same thing that enumerates our value, I'm putting it on them. So that people will not be able to discern a disconnection between us and them. That when they see them, they will see us. Come on, this is not for the immature. Jesus said, Father, I'm giving them what you gave me so that when the world observes them, they will see us. Can you bear to be so glorified? Y'all, y'all got to hear it. That you move so rich in the glory of God that you have to tell people, don't worship me. I'm just a man like you. Am I in the Bible? Did they do that to the apostles? Did they have to rip their clothes off and say, no, we're, we're men. Like, imagine having to get buck naked just to prove to people, don't worship me, I'm a man just like you. They were so convinced that the gods had come to walk on the earth because they were glorified sons. They walked in a dimension of God that the people could not distinguish between them and the God who sent them. That's glorification. See, we struggle, y'all, and that's why I'm adjusting the mindset. We struggle with identity. And the moment we create this reality of identity, and the moment we feel someone's infringing upon our identity that we created, then we buck up against the system. My travail is to get Christ formed in you, not just to reinforce who you already think you are. My assignment is to get God to have a nation of glorified sons and daughters. No competition, no contest, recognizing your rank, your gift, your calling, your grace, your assignment. It's to help you to see the divine order of what God called into being when he called us. When he made the proclamation that Ecclesia Global should exist in the earth. See, I'm not very concerned about what's happening outside of here. I'm concerned about those he gave to me because that's my assignment. That's my assignment. That's why it's easy to unplug from social media when you realize that none of those people are your assignment. Why do we perform for people out there in the world and they're not even connected to us? Huh? I'm going to the Dominican Republic. I have a church that is joined, has joined our fellowship. And so we're going to plow in that ground. I'll be there in June. And the first thought, I said, oh, I'm not on social media. I can't post the flyer. And then I got that pierced uh, conviction in my heart. Who cares about them seeing the flyer? Just do the work of apostleship. Why? Because my identity is not connected to your perception of me. It's connected to who he called. Are y'all getting that? So many of us are caught up in an identity. I'm done. Identity crisis because we're performing for the people who don't matter. It's looks, likes, and images. That's all we're concerned about. And the real stuff we're supposed to be doing is passing us by because it doesn't give us the fanfare. See, I don't have to announce to you that my shadow could heal as long as all the sick people in my path get healed. I don't have to post it. I don't have to announce it. I don't have to tell you. God worked miracles. Sometimes there are some people that know certain things just because it's a testimony. God has given us a miracle right now that we've been talking about amongst the prophetic cabinet. God is, it's a sure enough miracle that baby would have been dead. No question. God forming that baby's brain outside of the womb. And giving her normal function. It was a miracle. Y'all don't got to know the details and we ain't got to post it. As long as God gets the... Come on, lift your hands up. There's a wave of praise. And Jesus said, Father, the same glory. Come on, open your mouth. I need glory people now. Open your mouth. He said, the same glory that you gave me at the beginning. I'm giving it to them. That's your identity. It's who you are. It's who you are. I know I said a lot, but it's who you are. Come on, open your mouth. It's who you are. A glorified son of God. A glorified daughter of God. Come on, no inferiority complex. 
no rejection complex no luciferian complex you don't need to buy into an idea that presents itself as an alternative god's plan is the best plan it is it literally is you don't need a cheap second you don't need a cheap knockoff version Satan said to Adam and Eve, if you eat of the tree, you're going to be like him. You're already like him. You already have his power. You're already in the God class. Come on, just a few more seconds. We worship you, Father. We give you honor and glory. We reverence your name. We will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We will resurrect the dead. We will cast out demons with the finger of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for a great salvation. Thank you for a great salvation. Thank you that eternal life is to really know you. Uh, Father, we know you. Father, we know you. We know you. We know you. We give you glory. Come on, worship. Come on, worship. <laughs> 